We've got to stop doing that, these songs, right before I have to get up and speak. Um, we, we're going to do something this morning that we just love to do here at Grace Chapel, a baby dedication. So if, uh, if you are a parent with your baby who's going to be dedicated this morning, you can come up right now. Come on up here on stage in your family. can just kind of line up perfect. Okay, I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, and then I'm going to have introduce your family and the verse that you've chosen for your child. Okay, we'll do that first, right? In 1 Samuel 1, 27 and 28, it says, I pray for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life, or her whole life, he is given over to the Lord. Okay. Well, I guess we were a little bit unprepared. Oh. If you'd like to pick a verse for us real quickly. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. But, um, no, no, just, this just is introduce family. family. Yep. Um, Joe Jenna Boyd, I'm Sean Boyd. This is Grayson Boyd, six months almost. Corbin Boyd to the right. Clayton is our oldest son. Perfect. Perfect. Can you sneak this around? Just pass it behind you, maybe. Hello, we are Matt and Amanda Miller, and um, today we're dedicating our daughter, Maya June. She's about, uh, she's a squirmy, 15 months old right now, <laughs> and her big brother is Brooks down here. Say hi, Brooks. Okay. Um, I searched a while for a verse. I knew there was one about um, not letting your daughter date until she's 25. But I'll show it to you later. My, my father's devotional Bible wasn't handy, so um, we picked... Philippians uh, 1, uh, verse 9 through 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Not the time for that. <laughs> um. Um, my name is Jen Nyers, my husband Drew, and our son Oliver, and this is Lorelai. Um, and we chose for Lorelai Philippians 1, uh, 9 through 11, and it says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Now, I'm going to ask you all a question, and at the end, if you would answer yes, that would be great. And then I'm going to actually turn and ask you a question, and I would like you to answer yes. And after we're finished there, we'll, have, we'll come up 
They'll be seated here. We'll lay our hands on them. We'll pray for these families. All right. Is it your desire to honor Jesus Christ in the way that you raise your child? Will you pray for them, teach them God's word and express to your thoughts and your words and your attitudes? You will teach them a way that honors Jesus Christ. If so, answer yes. And for you, all of you, would you all please stand? That would be great. Will you promise to pray for these families during the challenging years to come? Will you love them, encourage them, and, and continue to support them as they try to raise their children in a way that honors Jesus Christ? If so, please answer yes. You guys would. You can come down here and just sit right down here in the front. Your whole family. You guys can sit. You can sit on this side too if you'd like. You can sit here or here anywhere. Yes, yeah, right here. And then if we could have just come forward and just kind of surround these families, you know. Part of baby dedication is, is, to, is to dedicating your child to the Lord in front of the entire church. And as the body of Christ, we do this a lot. And I don't want us to turn into a ritual either. Where we kind of say yes. And then, you know, as, as we grow together as the body of Christ, we're responsible for each other, our spiritual growth and development to pray for each other, to support each other. As you see families going through challenging times, to come around them in, in, in practical ways like meals or prayer, whatever it is, we want to make sure that we are coming around these families as the body of Christ. So if you'd surround them, and then once you get around them, I will pray. And you just kind of, kind of stretch your hand out, touch the person's back in front of you, and we'll just pray for those folks. It's fine. If you can't get up, we'll just, you can go right there. We're good there. All right? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can spend together, Lord. And we thank you for these families as they seek to live out your will for their lives. We pray, dear God, that you would protect them through the challenging years to come. Give them wisdom and discernment as they try to help their children grow in Christ-like character. Father, may they put their trust in you at all times as they try to live out your word in all circumstances. Father, we pray for these families that they would be a testimony to your mercy and to your grace. Father, we pray for each one of these children that you would help them become the man or woman that you have created them to be. Lord God, that you would use them in a powerful, powerful way in this world for goodness. To touch the lives of others. Father, we pray they would fulfill everything that you've created them to be. Everything you've created them to do. That they would be able to fulfill that in their lives. And that each one of us in some small way would be a part of that. Pray that you would just protect these parents that you give them, again, wisdom and discernment to know how to raise their child in a way that would be honoring to you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.
As you're going back to your seats, let me just give you a kind of a quick update here. For moms, we have, um, we have the blessing of having the Bankins come to our church, Mike and Kathy Bankin, and they, um, you know, we ask them sometimes for different things, flowers and plants. Every, every bit of landscaping on this property was done by the Bankins, every bit of it. I mean, we helped out with planting some of the plants, but um, everything was pretty much given and donated by them. They've been such a blessing to the church. And we asked them if we could have some live plants this year, some live flowers and live plants. Um, the cut flowers are really pretty as well. But uh, we, want to, we want to extend your blessing as moms. So we have some live plants out here. Um, in the foyer as you're going out. Make sure if you're a mom that you get a chance to pick up one of those flowers, take it home, have your husband or your son or your daughter plant it for you somewhere to grow large and beautiful, and uh, you can appreciate that for the rest of the season. Um, one other thing, too, where we may go a little bit over. I have the watch, though. I, I, uh, my black clock, you don't usually see it, but I have a big black clock that sits right here, but it's gone. I need to find that because you'll be here for hours if I can't find that. But I do have a watch, so I'm going to try to keep track. But I just want to say, as we've separated the services, it's pretty much done what we wanted it to do. It's, it's evened them out a little bit. Summertime numbers go down a little, but I think the evening out is a good thing. And I, we're going to go a little over today. Not much, but we'll go a little bit over. But I want to honestly just say to you, we will try to keep this service within an hour or so this summer. That's why we moved the time to make sure that you can, you know, you'll be out in the summertime a little bit early. We're going to keep it this way. But if it goes a little bit over, it's not because we tricked you and we're going to go now an hour and a half or so. But uh, I just wanted to say that to you, that we're going to try to stay within the boundaries. Now, we're going to let the Holy Spirit move. I'm not going to worry about it. But, you know, I, I just wanted to say that to you because I know we've been going a little bit over in second service. And with baby dedications and baptism, sometimes that happens. But uh, we'll try to stay committed to our, to our time as well. Um, we're continuing our series, but before I get into that, um, we do this sometimes at Grace Chapel. I say, get it, and you say, and I say, good. Okay, so when I say, get it, you say, good. All right, now, um, an old American Indian tale recounts the story of a chief who is telling uh, a gathering of young braves about a struggle that happens within each one of us. He said, it's like two dogs fighting inside of us. There is one good dog who wants to do right, and then there's a dog who wants to do wrong. Sometimes a good dog seems to be winning the fight, and sometimes that bad dog seems to be winning the fight. Who's going to win at the end, one of the young braves asked. And the chief answered, the one you feed. The one you feed. As we continue our series, Expressions of Worship, I want to look at six specific ways that we can worship God. We can express our worship and devotion to God. And then I want to look at six things that we can do that will feed our devotion to God. All those six things kind of put together. Six ways that we can specifically uh, show our worship, our, express our worship to God. And then six things that we can do along with that. Six things that we're going to be able to do that will feed our devotion to God. Because it is that thing that you feed that will grow. And we want our devotion, we want our worship to God to continue to grow. So the first way we can express our worship to God is intellectually. We can express our worship to God intellectually. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. 
Scripture tells us to worship God with our minds. It tells us to renew our minds, to renew them, to keep our thoughts fixed on him. It's interesting that no matter how many times I say this, you know, a pastor can say this, there are still some people within the church, not just at Grace Chapel, but even, we'll we'll pick on Grace Chapel, okay? There, There are still some people within the church who believe that worship takes place on Sunday morning for about an hour. And they narrow it down even further to the time that we sing. So the only time that we really worship God throughout the week is about 15 to 25 minutes, okay, depending on where church you would go to, 15 to 25 or 30 minutes of the time that we're singing. And that is not what worship is all about. Yes, we worship God when we're singing. Yes, we worship God as we listen to the word of God be, be preached. We, that's a part of worship, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need to have our minds renewed. We need a different way of thinking. You need to get rid of your old way of thinking. You may have come from a different church background where, you know, you were in a more ritualistic church. And I'm not picking on them. I'm just, I'm just stating facts. There's more, some churches are more ritualistic. And you know what? I'm not just, I'm not saying Catholics, okay? Because people think Catholics when I say ritualistic. There are some Baptist churches and some, you know, non-denominational churches. See what happens if you try to move their service around a little bit, okay? They get just as wiggy about their traditions as anybody else. But you come from a church sometimes where you have those traditions and you get into kind of a kind of a rut and you think this is, you know, we, we here's what I do. I worship at this time and then I do this at this time and then I go to work at this time and then I go to play at that time. And you separate all the they've compartmentalized the whole world for you. So Sunday morning for an hour, that's when you worship. Then you leave. And you no longer. That's not worship. There's so much more to worship than an hour or 15 or 20 minutes on a Sunday morning of singing. There's so much more to worship than four songs on Sunday morning. How's that? So much more. So much more to what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. Manly Beasley wrote this, and I I love this quote. A glimpse at God will save you. To gaze upon him will sanctify you. You know, you, you, you can come to church just this morning and hear, hear about the Lord and someone can share the gospel with you afterwards. You can come to know Christ just by glimpsing, just by getting a taste and understanding of who Jesus is. You can, you're saved for eternity. You can spend an eternity with God. A glimpse of God will save you. To gaze upon him will sanctify you. It, it's, when we, it's when we spend time worshiping. We spend time looking at him, thinking about him. When, when I talk about gazing, it's your whole life. It's your whole life. Gazing is, is really taking the time to look, to reflect, to gaze upon him. It'll change your life forever. It'll change the way you live, change the things that you do. To worship him, we need to dig a little bit deeper. We need to go a little bit further. We need to see our lives. Listen, we need, you need to see your life. I need to see my life as an object of worship. 
That's why you were created. You say, what's my purpose on this world? Your purpose in this world is to be an object of worship. God created you to worship him in a very unique way. Some, you know, God has given some people such unique gifts. And that's how you worship him with your gifts and your talents and your abilities. And, and, and we need to worship him in that way. We need to express our worship to God by how he designed us all the time. We should be always thinking, how can I use what God has given me to worship him? Get it? No, that's not good. Get it? Good. Okay, the second. Second way we can worship God, express our worship to God, is emotionally. Emotionally. Lamar Boschman wrote, When I worship, I would rather my heart be without words than my words be without heart. Again, sometimes we get into, we come into church, we sit down, it's Sunday morning, it's my time, and I, you know, I, I read, I, I listen to the, you know, I listen to the sermon, or I, I read the words, and uh, when up on the screen, we're singing, you're kind of going through the motions, your words, there's words coming out of your mouth when you're singing, but there's no heart in the words. There's no heart there. And God wants our hearts. He, and you know, I don't, I don't think everything should be wrapped up in emotion. Worship doesn't have to be all emotion all the time. But there should be emotion engaged in it. We, got, we need to understand. It'll help you to become more engaged in worship if you understand who you are in relation to God. If we understand who we are. We've talked about this already. Understanding who we are in our relationship with God. Worship becomes more powerful when we understand what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. When we understand that without him, we were lost. We were, we were hopelessly lost. Jesus Christ didn't come to die on a cross so we could celebrate uh, holidays. Jesus Christ came to die on a cross because you are a sinner and he saved you by his grace when he died on a cross. And when we come and we, we have a relationship with him, he brings us and he adopts us into his family. We are adopted into the family of God. If you think to yourself, if, if the way you think is, you know, I wasn't so bad off before I knew Christ. I was a pretty good person. I was fine. I just, hey, the guy gave some emotional plea and I raised my hand and clicked my heels together and came forward. And I, you know, I was cool. I feel a little bit better. But I was, if that's your attitude about your salvation, you will never truly understand how to worship. You will never understand what worship truly is. We were lost in our sin. Romans chapter 5 Verse 8 said, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. He rescued us from our sin. My passion for worship is linked to my understanding of my former spiritual position. My friends, we were spiritually blind. We were spiritually dead. We were on our way, not to heaven, but to hell. And Jesus Christ comes along and he bridges the gap between the Father and us with his death on the cross. See, if we understand that, our worship becomes more powerful. There's more emotion related to it because we understand who we are in relation to God and what Jesus Christ did for us. While we are yet still sinners, Christ died for us. There's a reason it's called being saved. 
Jesus rescued us from an eternity without God. He adopted us into his family. Ephesians 5, 8 says, For once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the world. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says that he brought us out of darkness into his wonderful light. It is by grace you have been saved. Why don't you stand up for me for one second? Why don't you stand up for actually a couple minutes? His grace is amazing. And we're going to sing this song. And as we sing this song, I want you to sing it realizing what Jesus Christ did for you in your life. Please just spend a moment thinking about what your life would be like without him. And let's sing this song. You can clap. Absolutely. Uh, The third way we can express our worship to God is intentionally. Intentionally. You see, you're not a a Christian by accident. I'm not, I didn't get saved by accident. God adopts us into his family. It's something, yes, that we we choose, that we we ask Christ to come into our lives, but God is the one who draws us, and and we need to worship him intentionally. So when when we worship him, that worship needs to be purposeful. We need to think about we need to think about it. We need to be purposeful in our worship. God often calls his people to remember. He wants us to remember, to remember what he's done for us in our lives and to take the time to focus, to focus our attention on him. It needs to be intentional. When God called his people to cross the Jordan, what he said to them was that he wants them to build a stone monument to remember where they came from. They went across the Jordan. He said, now stop, build a stone monument to remind you of where you were before, where you came from and where you are now. I want you to remember how often do we, do we get good things from God? Does God do good things in our lives, but we forget about it? You know, and then two years pass or a year passes or six months, whatever it is. And, you know, something happens and we're, God, where are you? I, you know, you're letting me down. But we're not remembering all the times that God intervened in our lives. Because it's in remembering that God is there, even for the simple things in life. That God intervenes and shows us and gives us the desires of our hearts. And we forget about it, but it's if we would remember, if we would take the time to intentionally remember and worship him and when he does for us each and every day, it would help us as we go through those difficult times to know that God is there. He will continue to be there. He will continue to intervene in our lives and, and he, will, he will help us through whatever difficulty we're going to face. But it's in praising him and worshiping him, even the little things in life. We were on vacation this past week. We were in Florida. Don't usually go on vacation in May, but Jen's, Kimmy's going to have the twins, and so it's all hands on deck, you know, in that July area. So we went early, so we're home, and we can be there for her and help her out. So we went to we went on vacation. It was a great time. And uh, Josh said to me a couple weeks ago, he said, you know, Dad, we were talking about something. He says, well, God doesn't answer me and say, say things to me like he does to you. And I said, really? And so we talked about a little bit in different areas. We were on vacation, and Josh is consumed right now with snakes, and he loves snakes. He reads about snakes. He talks about snakes. We have to go on snake hunts at least once or, once or twice a week. You know what I mean? Going back and finding garden snakes. Snakes, 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 snakes. Everything in life is snakes right now. 
So uh, so we, we're on vacation and we go to Gatorland. You ever been to Gatorland? You have to go to Gatorland. It's pretty cool. There's lots of gators, lots of things for kids. You know, it's, it's really fun. And we were there and we're walking through and there's these big pythons in these cages. And so you could see all these cool snakes. But then we walked down this path that was just in the woods. It's like a little boardwalk type path through this swampy area. And I've been, we've been at Gatorland probably 10, 12 times in our lives. And I've never really seen anything back there. Some bugs, you know, mosquitoes try to get through there because it's a swamp. We saw so many wild snakes, it was unbelievable. We saw a copperhead. We didn't want to mess with the copperhead too much. Um, but we saw a garden snake. We saw a copperhead. We saw a black snake. We saw a, a rat snake. We saw all kinds of snakes. And I said to Josh, I said, Josh, what, what, what do you really love to do right now? What, what is one of the most exciting things for you to see right now? We were in the middle of seeing baby snakes crawling around. And he said, snakes. And I said, but see how that's the desire of your heart and see how God opened up the opportunity for you to see all these snakes. We saw a five, four, four foot snake in the middle of a path when we were walking back to one of the one of the attractions to another. It was a wild snake in the middle of a path. There were snakes everywhere. You were just after a while. You're like, OK, Lord, you know, no snakes. <laughs> Josh is having a blast with all these snakes. And we talked about it, how God, I mean, I didn't care if I saw snakes. And Deb didn't, certainly didn't care if she saw any snakes. <laughs> and Kim, you know, and, uh, and, and Kim and Aaron, we didn't, you know, it was fun to, you know, actually see them crawling around. But, but God did that for Josh. And I wanted him to appreciate that and recognize that God gave him the desire of his heart. Look at all these cool snakes. We don't recognize the snakes in our lives, do we? You know, you just, you don't think about it. And then two months and God's not doing what you want him to do. It's like, God never answers my, God never gives me, really? I don't think sometimes because we're in the mode of we worship God on Sunday morning for one hour and then we leave and go to Gatorland. Can we worship God at Gatorland? I worship God looking at all those snakes saying, thank you, Lord, for bringing all those snakes into where we can see them and appreciate them. And Josh can really have a much better day because he gets to see all these cool snakes that's all he's talking about. That's a time that we can worship God. We can point out to our children that they can worship God because God is constantly doing good things for us, but we don't really recognize it. So God says when they cross the Jordan, he says, hey, build a stone monument. I want you to build this monument to recognize, to remember what, where you came from and where you are now and how I brought you there. In Joshua 4, 6 and 7, it says this, to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. You know what? Every time God does something good, maybe you should go find a stone or something and just put it in your pocket and keep it. And then put them up on your shelf or on your desk or something to remind you of all the times that God intervenes that we just forget about. And I, I am the first. I'm telling you right now, I often forget what God has done for him. The miraculous things he's done. As soon as something doesn't go right, I'm asking questions about God. Where are you? And why not? And He's saying, hey, remember, 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 I'm here. Maybe I'm saying no for a specific reason. I'm here. God wants us to intentionally remember how he works in our lives to keep a mental and even physical record that we can refer to. Write it down. Grab a stone. I don't, it doesn't matter what you do, but if the mental and a physical, I think physical is, is even better because it reminds you mentally of what God did in those circumstances. 
We need need to do that to keep our our worship intentional. It goes back to the foundation of worship. We need to see everything in our lives as an act of worship. Everything that we do, everything that we say, all those are experiences. We We need to intentionally worship God when we're at school. When you go to school, when you go back to school, when you get up in the morning, how can you intentionally worship God today at school? Can you say something kind to the teacher? You know how I worship God in restaurants? I worship God in restaurants. If the, if the person in the restaurant, the waiter or waitress, is really good, I say, I say this every time. It scares living daylights out of them. It's kind of funny, but it works out well. Um, I say, can, I, can, can you get me the manager? You know what? They, or, hey, is anything wrong? They always say that. Is anything wrong? I say, no, no. It's, I, I give them thumbs up. It's cool. I just want to see the manager. The manager comes over and I say, this guy right here. Uh, what was his name? The last guy, Dennis, Dennis in Florida. I said, Dennis is one of the best servers I've ever had in my entire life. I mean, he, he was on it. I just tell the manager this and just praising Dennis. You know what Dennis's face looks like when some, when a, when a, when a person is in there praising him in front of his, in front of his, his boss. When we're always saying, this Dennis guy, he makes one mistake. He didn't give me my water when I wanted it and blah, blah, blah. And I should get a free ice cream because you people stink and all that kind of stuff. Right? Isn't that what most people do to poor Dennis? Can't you worship God in a restaurant? Can't you worship God in school? Can't you worship God on the field before you get on the field? When you, before you go to work, how you treat the people at work? I mean, can't we worship God? We need to intentionally worship God in every single area of our lives. And we need to intentionally, and we need intentionally be critical of everything that we allow in our minds and hearts. We need to critically evaluate everything we allow to be in our minds and hearts. Critically evaluate it. But here's what I mean. The music that you listen to, that you guys listen, I don't know, um, the adult students, whatever else. I'll pick on the students for a second. Junior high, high school, whatever else. You need to critically evaluate everything you listen to on the radio, what CDs you listen to. Because remember what, remember they talked about in the very beginning, what dog are you feeding here? Are you feeding the dog that's going to bring devotion to God? Or are you feeding the dog that's going to take away God's worship and God's devotion? When you listen to, I'm I'm sorry, when you listen to Lady Gaga, some of her songs, or you listen to whatever her name is, when I kiss somebody, I liked it kind of stuff. Do you really think that God is honored and glorified when you're listening to that? I know the tunes are catchy. I understand that. Some of these people are mega talented, and it breaks my heart. I pray for them all the time that they come to know Christ because God gave them those gifts. And they do things to dishonor him. The problem is, as believers in Jesus Christ, you as a teenager don't need your parents to tell you, don't listen to that stuff. It's your relationship with Christ. You need to critically evaluate everything that you allow to come into your heart, into your mind. I don't really listen to the words like the tune. Whatever. If the tune comes on, you can sing the words. Okay? So you're feeding that dog. What are you watching on TV? I love to watch TV, okay, so don't know the pastor is picking on my music. I'm, I'm, not, I'm telling you, I don't want to critically evaluate your music. It's your relationship with Jesus, not mine. I have mine. I want you to critically evaluate the music you listen to and to the things you watch on TV and to the movies you go to. Does it glorify God to watch people get slashed to pieces? I don't think so. It's just me. If Jesus were sitting right in the seat with you, would you watch that? Critically evaluate which dog are you feeding? Who are you hanging around with? Again, don't sit here and go, oh, sure, I'm at church. He's going to pick on my friends. He's going to pick on my music. He's going to pick on. I'm not. I'm asking questions. 
Is it glorifying to God? Okay. So I love, hey, I went to, I went to see the Avengers. I worship, it was awesome. I was worshiping God. I was like, yeah, smash, Hulk, smash. You know what I mean? It was awesome. It was good. Good movie. I liked it. I'm sure there were things in there, you know. I, I, I like going to the movies. I, I, I make sure that I watch certain movies. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go online and check them out and everything. I like going to the movies. I like watching TV. I think sports is worshiping God. I really do. I think you worship God when you're watching sports. I said to my wife all the time, don't, don't stop me. I'm worshiping right now. Just bring me another sandwich and a drink. I'm all good. It's all fine. Just, Praise the Lord. I scream. My team is winning. No, you can worship God by watching things on, you, you know, you can work. You, you can't, you can't, you can't worship by watching the Browns, but you can worship the, you can worship by watching the Bengals. You really can. You can worship God. The Olympics are coming on, right? You got the Olympics coming up. Tell me you can, tell me you've never sat there during the Olympics, summer or winter, and seen a gymnast or someone do something amazing and you get goosebumps and you're awed. And I sit there, I literally worship God watching the Olympics or watching sports. When the guy hits a home run that's so far, you're like, because I'm, I'm saying to myself, God gave that man or that woman that ability, and I get to see it. I get to experience it. I know the one who gave them the ability, and now they're expressing it. Even if they're not believers and they don't recognize what they're doing, they're using their God-given ability, and I get to worship and watching them. I worship God watching sports. I worship God when I, when I experience different things. I can worship God in any area of my life. We need to make sure that we're focusing and we're evaluating all the time. What are we allowing in our mind and what are we allowing in our heart? You can experience, my friends, you can watch TV, you can go to the movies, you can go to games, you can do all kinds of cool things. Just make sure you critically evaluate which dog you're feeding. That's all I'm asking. I'm not going to pick on your movies. I'm not going to pick. I'm just asking you to critically evaluate which dog you're feeding because Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. You have a relationship with him and he wants you to worship him in every area of your life. Ask yourself this morning, what do I need to eliminate from my life so that I can show even more devotion to God? Just for a moment, do that. Just for just for a moment. Think about it. What? Close your eyes for just a second. Ask yourself, what do I need to eliminate from my life, to show my devotion to God, a deeper, so I can get a deeper walk with God. What is it for you? Just think about it. Okay. Get it? Good. All right. The fourth way we, fourth way we can express our worship to God is, is relationally. Worshiping God is having an impact on every relationship we have. If we worship God, we will have an impact on all the relationships around us. You know, when you worship God, re- worshiping God is relational. It, it's, it's, you worship God relationally, in community, when you connect with other people. You worship God when you show the love of Jesus Christ to those around you. You cannot worship God and treat your family poorly at the same time. That's why when you, today when you, when you show your mom love and appreciation, you're worshiping God. You cannot worship God and take advantage of your girlfriend in a relationship. Can't be done. Two things can't go on at the same time. You cannot worship God and, and cheat and harm people in your business. You can worship God in your business. Work is worship, but you cannot worship God and, do, and harm other relationships in your business. 
We worship God through our community. We worship God through relationship. We worship God by showing love to other people. John, 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21 says this, If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. For he has given this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Get it? Good. Okay. The fifth way we can express our our devotion to God, our worship to God, is financially. Financially. See, until, until, until your relationship with Christ has an impact on your financial decisions, you are not truly devoted to him. Money has a way of creating a divide between us and God like nothing else. Like nothing else. Some of you are squirming right now. You don't even like the topic. You're, you're thinking, man, we almost got through it. I don't like this topic right now. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that to happen. Jesus talks about giving and he talks about money more than anything else in the Bible. But when we bring it up at church, all of a sudden people get, get wiggy inside and they get angry. And, the, and you have to ask yourself, why, why is it that cause such a reaction? Because it's a stronghold of the enemy. This is the one here in America especially that we have to watch out for. See, money is often our true master and that's what ticks us off. Because I'm poking, I'm prodding in a place that you don't want to deal with because really money has become our master and we just don't want to admit it. So we blame the pastor for talking about it. We blame the church for asking for it. We even challenge God when he convicts us of it. But it's not the pastor that, we have, that, that needs to take any blame. It's not the church or God. It's really the problem is in our hearts. The problem is it's a heart issue. We're struggling because it's a heart issue. One is more important than the other. Money in some people's lives has become their primary reason. Okay, they, they, it, they show their total devotion to that. It is their primary desire. It is what they truly, truly worship. They truly worship. That's the reason there's anger. That's the reason there's defiance and people get defensive. Proverbs says it clearly. In Proverbs chapter 3, 9 and 10, it tells us, Honor God with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will be their vats will brim over with new wine. If you want to see the desire of your heart, if you want to see your primary desire for worship, then you don't have to crack your Bible open at all. You have to crack your checkbook open. Look at your checkbook. I'm telling you. And people, you know, right now there's kind of like this, oh, you know, why are we talking about this? I was on, we were on vacation. One quick story here. I know we're going a little bit over, but I got to tell you this story. We're, I'm in the car. We're in the car driving and, and Josh is in the back seat. I, I love Josh. Story. I owe him 20 bucks right now because I had to pay my children $10 every time I use a story about him. So Josh is up $20. Um, he's not old enough to know that yet, but I'll have to keep a running total. I'll put it in his college fund or something. Kim and Jen used to wait for me to t- use their names. They're like, yes, cash. So Josh is in the back seat. And we went and we got him a bag of M&Ms and he reads and he goes, $100,000 if, if there's, you know, brown, if you get a whole bag of brown M&Ms, you win $100,000. He said, Dad, $100,000 I could win. I said, well, don't open it yet. Let's just think about it. So we're talking about how with $100,000, I said, the government's going to steal about 50% of it, son. So just, you know, I said, they're going to get their hands in your pockets. I said, I thought, you know what, if they want, they want to win $100,000, they should buy their own bag of M&Ms. That's my attitude. I want the whole hundred grand. So, so I explained to him the government will take a little bit, you know, they're not their fair share. And then well, you'll get some. And I told him, here's what we can do. You can take the money 
you put it in, you invest your money, get someone to help you invest the money, and then you wait till you're like going to college, and then you'll have enough to pay your college education, plus you'll probably have, you know, a lot of money left over that you can do all kinds of things you're talking about with, and he sits in the back seat and he ponders for a minute or so, and he goes, or I could buy a horse now. So then we got into the tithe. He said, I said, you know, it's $100,000. I said, you have the, you know, tithe 10% of that. He goes, what do you mean? When he was younger, he'd empty his piggy back out to give to the kids in Africa and everything. As he's getting a little bit older, and he knows what money can buy. He's like, oh, his little uh, toys and stuff like that. Um, he says, uh, what, what, what do you mean? What is that? I said, $10,000. He may be eight, but he knows what $10,000 is. He said, Dad, that's a lot of money. God wants a lot of money. I said, well, if you, I tell you right now, son, if you open up that bag and there's a bunch of brown M&Ms in there, God gave you the $100,000. You just give him back a portion of what he gave to you already. And he sat in the back seat again. He pondered and it was nice and quiet. We're driving. And he goes, hey, dad, you think God would be happy enough? I just bought a nice silver cross. <laughs> oh, man, we know it's hard, right? You know. We don't want to part, you know, it's like we don't want to part with that. And I'm not saying I'm just, you know, he's not, that's not his primary desire. We talked about it. And he said, no, I, you know, I, I would do that. I would, you know, he would give. But, you know, that's what we think. Well, wouldn't God just be happy if I just gave him this? I said, God, Josh, Josh, God loves a cheerful giver. So whatever you, whatever you give, you have to give in your heart. It's an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship, right? So then the question is, what is not giving? The sixth way we can express our worship to God is radically. It should be unconditional. Our worship should not be situational. That's what we do sometimes. Again, situation, come to church, we worship. Leave church, another situation, we don't worship. We're on, this, we're on the court, we're not going to worship God there. We have our devotions, or we go to Young Life, or we go to Student Venture, or we go to our impact group, or we go to our youth group at church, wherever, and then we worship there. But we don't worship God here, we worship God there. We have, it's situational. Worshiping God is not situational. We worship God in every area of our lives. It is an expression of who we are. We worship is consistent. We worship God in the good times and in the bad times, during the ups and the downs. We worship God not just when he says yes and gives us, you know, the bag of M&Ms with all the brown M&Ms in it. We worship God when he says no. We worship God when he says no. We don't worship some magic genie in a bottle. We worship a God who's the creator of the universe. We worship him at all times, consistently. When Joe was facing challenges that were beyond what he could bear sometimes, his wife said to him, man, why are you just, you know, turn away from God. And it says in Job chapter 2, 9 and 10, it says, are you still holding on to your integrity? That's what his wife said. Curse God and die. You know, think when he's kicking, when everything's kicking for him, it's like, yay, let's party. God is good. God is wonderful. And all of a sudden, bad things start happening. She said, curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good things from God and not trouble? Our lives, my friends, should be an act of worship. Everything we say, everything we do, the thoughts that we have, should all be an act of worship. So the question that we close with is how can we worship God in every area of our lives? That's what I want you to think about. How can you worship God in every area of your life? Ask yourself, 
Ask yourself, how can I do that, Lord? How, how, ask yourself this, how has God created me and how can I use that to show devotion to him? That's what you need to think about. How has God created you? Think about that right now. How has he created you? And how can you show that devotion to him? How can you express that as worship to him? How can I worship him with my gifts? How can I worship him with my talents? How can I worship him with my treasures? How can I worship him with my goals and desires in my business or at school? How can I worship him with all of those things? How do I do that? And then what is holding me back? from showing my total devotion to him. As we close, here's what we're going to do next week. It's going to be a little bit different. And, and, and no one's going to be put on the spot. No one should feel uncomfortable. I promise it'll all be, it'll be fun, okay? I'm going, to preach to, I'm going to preach next week for a little while, but then I'm going to leave some time at the end of the service so that we can all express our worship to God in different ways. I'm going to have paper up here. Kids can color. They can, they can paint. We'll have artists who are going to paint some things. You can, we'll have canvases up here, so if you want to come up and paint something, you can paint. That's how God has given you, given you a gift of painting. Do that. If you're a writer, we'll have paper up here. We'll, you, can, you can write a poem to God. You can start. Maybe God will give you some inspiration Maybe you can write a song. Maybe if you're a musician, you want to write a song. So the beginning of a song, maybe the beginning of a story that's been in your mind. But I want you to worship God. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality and you're thinking about, man, who can I invite from church? I don't know very well to my house for lunch in the next couple of weeks. Or maybe you grab someone and take them out to lunch that day. You leave a little early. You guys go out to lunch. But there's ways. I don't care. I don't care what you do. Okay. well, I do care what you do. So don't go crazy here. Um, but I want to make sure well, if you want to be baptized next week, we'll baptize people and we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it in both services. So if you want to be baptized, give us a call. We'll do baptisms next week. But I'm going to preach. We're going to we're going to close out this series. And I want you to be thinking, well, how has God created me? What what gifts, talents and abilities do I have? What do I enjoy doing? It doesn't matter if you just want to pray and sit there and pray. That is totally fine. Pr- Praying for other people is worshiping God. You can pray for other people. I will not put you on the spot. I will not make you uncomfortable, I promise. So whatever you choose to do during that time is fine. It's totally fine. But I want to close out this series in a way that shows you that worshiping God is not something that is just done for an hour on Sunday mornings. We can take it, we can take it out to our lives in every area of our lives, and we can worship God. We can truly show our devotion to him. Ask yourself this morning, which dog am I feeding? We need to keep feeding We need to keep feeding our hearts and our minds in a way that we can show our devotion and honor to God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We truly do honor you, Lord. We pray that you would renew our minds, that we would open up our minds and begin to see that everything that we do, including watching sports on television and and playing sports in the field and going to work and going to school and coming here and driving down the road, whatever it is, Lord, we can worship you in every area of our lives. Please renew our minds. Please wash away those old thoughts of what worship is and and put new thoughts in our minds so that we can truly express our worship to you all the time. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great, great day together and make sure you get a plant on your way out.